health information from experts, supported by research. From University of Utah Health, this is thescoperadio.com. In 2021, the guidelines for lung cancer screening changed to be even more effective at prevention. And to better understand lung cancer screening and how these changes impact you, we're joined by the Associate Chief Medical Quality Officer at Huntsman Cancer Institute, Dr. Thomas Varghese. Dr. Varghese, I understand the new guidelines have three specific steps to determine if a person should be screened for lung cancer. Let's start with those three things. The three different steps include, uh, one, adults between the ages of 50 to 80 years of age, two, who have had a 20-pack year smoking history, and three, who are currently smoking or have quit within the last 15 years. All right. And on that guideline, what is a pack year history? What does that mean? Uh, a pack year history means those who have smoked a pack per day for, for over the course of a year. And if I've smoked two packs per day, would that mean it would only have to be 10 years that I smoked? Uh, that is correct. To have a 20... 20 pack year history. Yeah. That is correct. So three packs a day would be... Okay. Yeah, even shorter period of time. Got it. So what, what in the guidelines changed just recently? Uh, there were two things that changed in the guidelines. First is the age cutoff uh, dropped from age 55 down to age 50. And the second is the smoking history was reduced from 30 pack years to at least 20 packs a year. All right. And why did that change? Part of it was is that we realized that we were missing out on a high-risk population. And uh, as a result of the once guidelines are assessed... You know, they're not permanent, uh, you know, tablets in stone uh, that, that they con- continuously undergo uh, monitoring, revision, and adjustment as needed. And as a result, the, these were the two changes that were made. What I'm seeing here is it looks like perhaps it was revealed that you don't have to smoke as previously thought to be at a high risk of lung cancer. That is correct. And I anticipate that there may be even further changes in the years ahead. You know, we have ongoing research always trying to identify high risk patient populations and so we know that currently these are where the guidelines sit, but they're going to be constantly monitoring and potentially revising that in the years ahead. And if a person's listening, do they have to have all three of those things apply? They need to be 50 to 80 years old, 20 or higher pack year history, and currently smoke or have quit within the past 15 years? Currently, yes, if uh, they truly have no other medical history. Now, this is where sometimes the guidelines get a little bit fuzzy, and that's why you need to work with your uh, physicians to see where you would potentially qualify. So for example, let's say you have a very strong family history of lung cancer. Those are patients that, you know, we're not waiting for, you know, age 50. Let's say that in your family, you see that there was lung cancer that was occurring at the age of uh, of 40, for example. Your physician may decide to start that screening process well ahead of what the guidelines currently are out in press. And if I understand correctly, if you're within those guidelines, most private insurance would cover that screening. That is correct. And that's one of the biggest things is when, when it's guideline concordant care, insurance companies have no problems uh, you know, covering those uh, issues. But this is, again, where working with your physicians can really help. Because if your physicians identify that you have risk factors outside of these guidelines, they can work with insurance companies to get uh, approved uh, ca- cancer screenings. And how is this screening done? Uh, the screening is done by use of what we call a low-dose uh, CT scan, a, a, a computed uh, tomography scan. And what it is is that this, uh, you know, common questions we get is, is that, you know, how quickly is a scan done? It's very efficient. Most scans are done within minutes. And the second thing is low-dose really is related to the amount of radiation that is being done. The technology has advanced so much 
that the amount of radiation per scan is really at minimal uh, amounts. And so there's only a minimum amount of risk for a patient to undergo a scan to obtain the imaging. And how accurate are the screenings then? Uh, they're incredibly accurate. And in fact, one of the amazing things is uh, people as old as I who've been doing this for a while and everything, we see that the technology keeps advancing and the sensitivity and the specificity of these scans continue to improve. And so they're quite accurate. But if in cases of doubt, really what it really sets it up for is that if there's any suspicion, you can always end up following up with a follow-up scan at a short interval as well. One of the concerning things about screenings that I think I didn't realize until more recently is it sounds like screenings are great, right? Like I'll get the screening and there's really no downsides. And this is not to discourage anybody from getting a screening, but there are potential downsides for the screening. The test sounds like it's low dose radiation, so that's not as big of a deal. But what about false positives? That's where people might end up getting procedures they don't need. Talk to me about that. Correct. I mean, this is where sometimes the technology becomes too sensitive. And so what it is, is that it shows an abnormality in the imaging. But what it really warrants is a conversation with an expert in the field. And I think that this is where, you know, instead of, uh, you know, getting worked up about an abnormal finding, really the most important part of this whole process is having that informed discussion, the shared decision-making about what to do next. Uh, and so the, what we encourage everybody to do is not to have the imaging in isolation. Really, the key thing is have the imaging, get the results, have that conversation with your physician. In the research studies, a lot of care is taken to make sure that the cancers that are found are actually dangerous. In the real world, that might not necessarily be the case. So how can you be sure that you have a professional that's going to help you navigate those false positives? Uh, great question. I, I think that this is where uh, the experience of the physician and the experience of the healthcare team really comes up into play. You hear terms such as high volume centers or standard uh, centers of excellence. And really what those are terms signifying is the experience an individual physician or an in individual healthcare team has with a particular condition. So what you want to have done is lung cancer screening or any type of cancer screening done with a team that is experienced in managing a, a lot of different patients. And so that includes differentiating between what is a true positive from a false positive, trying to have the experience to follow guidelines to figure out if you find an abnormal finding in a CAT scan, what do you do next? And this is where having those conversations with the physicians, and if you are not happy with those physicians, then seeking care with those health systems that can properly provide you with the guidance to navigate the path forward. If you get a lung cancer screening and the physician says, well, I'm kind of skeptical about this particular finding that I found this nodule, uh, and they suggest a biopsy, should somebody just go right to that or should there be more conversations before that? It, there should probably be an initial conversation beforehand. And, and the conversation really goes on to is what are the features on the CAT scan that was raising your concern that this could be a cancerous lesion or not. That's step one. And then step two really then comes the decision about what to do next. Was it just a short interval repeat of the imaging to make sure that the, the finding is real? Or do you proceed forward with a biopsy of that lesion? And this again is where the experience of the team comes into place. And what I mean by experience includes experience of the physician having that conversation with the patient, experience of the radiologist or radiology team who is reading that CAT scan, and then, of course, obviously, experience of whoever is going to perform the biopsy as well as analyzing 
the pathology of, of the biopsy itself. And then after a biopsy, if it's discovered that it is actually cancerous, that's not necessarily always a reason for concern either, because it could be a slow growing. You, you, you said earlier, like if the, the imaging is getting so good at finding things, this might have been something that was never going to be an issue anyway. That's a great question. And uh, the, what happens is the cancer itself has a wide spectrum, you know, coming from slow growing to very aggressive and fast moving. And so Really, what we're talking about is first is what we call diagnosis. Is there a cancer? Yes or no. Trying to figure out what type of cancer it is. Is it a slow-growing cancer, a fast-growing cancer? And then we proceed on to what we call staging. And what we're trying to find with staging is, if it is indeed a cancer, are you talking about localized cancer or is it cancer that's spread to other areas? All of these aspects are important in the next steps, which is, trying to figure out what the cancer is, trying to figure out where we are in terms of staging, and then the decision about what to do with the cancer. If somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking, "Mm, I'd like to take advantage of this. I'd like to get a lung cancer screening because I meet the particular uh, guidelines or I have a family history. What would the next step be? Where Where would that individual go? So the two recommendations are, one is if they have an established relationship with the primary care physician, to have a conversation with the primary care physician themselves. Uh, you know, that could make it very easy to do within the confines of they likely will have links to lung cancer screening modalities or connections throughout their uh, their health system. Now, if that is not possible, then the other opportunities include searching for uh, high-volume centers such as Huntsman Cancer Institute, where we have very robust lung cancer screening programs. And those are programs where patients can find out information about lung cancer uh, screening or even just giving us a phone call and we'll be able to get you uh, connected to the appropriate resources to facilitate the same. So a referral from your primary care physician is not necessary? Not 100% necessary. It it, it helps, but you don't need to, you can just pick up the phone and give us a call or, you know, search the website and uh, send an inquiry in through, through the internet. There are very robust lung cancer screening programs that are out there. There's also a lot of resources available through nonprofit uh, organizations such as the American Cancer Society, Longevity. There's a lot of uh, resources available as well. The key is if you are suspicious, act on it. Like if you have any doubt, reach out, connect. If you're not happy with the conversation you're having with your established links to the healthcare system, tons of resources out there where you can get uh, advice and get the help that you need. We're living in a remarkable time. There are a lot of resources out there. If there's any doubt that you have at any time, please reach out. We're here to help you. Have a question about a medical procedure? Want to learn more about a health condition? With over 2,000 interviews with our physicians and specialists, there's a pretty good chance you'll find what you want to know. Check it out at thescoperadio.com.